Turning your Bible to Exodus chapter 12, we're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Exodus. And it's a powerful book, and it shows us God's redemption of his people Israel from slavery in Egypt. And we see the mighty God judges their false gods and Pharaoh and shows his power and his glory and he delivers the Jewish people from slavery. And as, as we continue this evening, it's that final plague. And we've seen it. And what we've seen, seen is the, the death of the firstborn and the, the freedom of the Jewish people and what's going to happen there. And we see Pharaoh's response and the departure of the nation. And as we study this passage, let me, let's think about several things we'll see as we go through. One, we're going to see the final plague, Egypt's response to that plague and and of course it's for the Jewish people to leave and then we see the chronology uh, concerning Israel's time in Egypt and we talk about what it was like they were there 430 something years and then the idea of the details concerning the feast the Passover unleavened bread that as we go through it in fact he really makes sure that they understand how they're to celebrate this thing and it's pretty amazing as we study this passage we see God's power and his provisions uh, as he delivers his people let's let's begin with prayer and we'll get into it let's pray Heavenly Father what a great night Thanks again, Lord, for the opportunity to study, to sing the songs, uh, for have Jared talk, to uh, to uh, look at the book of Exodus and that you would teach us there, Lord. We thank you that in Jesus Christ is salvation and He is. this whole thing is the foreshadow of our Savior as we see the Passover lamb and then Jesus Christ uh, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we just ask you, Lord, that uh, teach us tonight as we study. Help us to be able to put it together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, those of us who have trusted in Christ as Savior, there's a lot of things that we're thankful for. We're thankful for a Savior who loves us and provided for us and protected us. And sometimes we take for granted all that he has done for us. We have to sort of be careful with that. Realize that what God did for us, he left us two special ordinances. We've talked about this before, so this is not new. But two special ordinances that we could carry out so that we won't forget what he has done. And you think about those. One is baptism. The other is the Lord's Supper. And think about it. Baptism, of course, is a picture of our salvation. In fact, when you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're identified with Christ and when people trust Christ as Savior, we baptize them. That's a one-time deal showing their death and resurrection with Christ. But when we think about the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper is really a picture of our fellowship and it is ongoing and we think of the death and resurrection of Christ and the body and the blood of Christ and knowing that He gives us eternal life. Well, that is ongoing and so on an ongoing basis we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This evening when we think about the Passover and the Exodus and those leaving, uh, we think about Lord's Supper because we, we think of communion and the Lord's Supper. And it goes back to this, uh, you know, it goes back to the time that Jesus ate the Passover meal with his men and they were remembering how God had brought them out. But he says, it's going to be a little change. I want you to realize this is my body. And this is my blood. So Lord's Supper really <clears throat> is a memorial for us that God has given to us, that Jesus Christ has given to us. So we would not forget what he's done for us. When we think about it, the Passover, in a sense, think about this, as the, as the Passover pointed to deliverance from bondage in Egypt, the Lord's Supper points to us, points us to deliverance from the bondage of sin. And so when a Jewish person <clears throat> would think of Passover, they would think of how we were in bondage in Egypt and God brought us out. Jesus changed it and said, when you think about this, think of my body, think of my blood. So as we look at it, we say, oh, we think of Passover, we think of Lord's Supper, we think of our bondage in sin and how the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, has brought us out. And, you know, churches celebrate Lord's Supper in a lot of different ways. Some celebrate 
celebrate it every week. Some celebrate it once a month. Some do it quarterly. Some, <clears throat> only the members of that church can celebrate it. Some churches like ours, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, we want you to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The key is that the Lord's Supper is for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And as we look at this passage, he's going to say that the Passover meal is for those who identify with the nation of Israel, the true God, and all of those kind of things. And we'll see it as we go through. So it's powerful. He says in here, no stranger may take of it. You have to be identified with the God of Israel. Well, this evening, we're going to see the instructions to the Jewish people as they leave Egypt after 430 years. Well, let's remember where we are. Let's begin. Jewish people, slaves in Egypt. God raises up Moses, goes to Pharaoh. He says, I want, basically, God raised up Moses and said, I want you to take my people out. He says, you'll go to Pharaoh and he won't let you go. And so you keep, you'll have to keep going back and I'm going to bring plagues on them. I'm going to bring judgments on the gods of Egypt. And that's what he does. And what we see is that God brings judgment on Egypt and Pharaoh. And why would he do that? Well, to show that those gods are false gods, to show Egypt the true God and that they would be able to pass on these truths to their children. So that's what we've been seeing all the way through the book of Exodus. Last time, we saw the last plague, the tenth plague. Now, one of the things that when we study the Bible, you can ask anybody, you could say, how many plagues were there? Anybody goes, ten plagues. But when that was happening, Moses didn't know there were going to be ten plagues. I mean, when there was plague number one, and he didn't let them go, they said, well, okay, that's plague number two. Okay, he still didn't let us go. Plague three, plague four. It wasn't until the very last plague that God said, this will be the last plague. So we look at it and we say, there were ten. If you said, Moses, how many? He said, well, we're up to six. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, God went through the land of Egypt, and this final plague was to kill the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Now, he didn't say the firstborn among the Egyptians. He said the firstborn in the land of Egypt. That included the Jews. But God had a provision for his people and a distinction between Israel and Egypt. And that provision was a Passover lamb. He said, all of you, you believe me, you go get a lamb, you kill it. You put the blood on the side and the top of the door. And that night when I come through to kill the firstborn, when I see the blood on the door, I will pass over. There's going to be a death in every home. It's either going to be the firstborn son or the substitute For the firstborn son, and that is the Passover lamb. And for every human being, the wages of sin is what? Death. And unless, I mean, you think about it, there is a substitute for us, one who would die in our place, and that is Jesus, our Savior. Well, here's God's instructions. Here's what he said. Kill the lamb. Put the blood on the door. Eat it in haste. Remember? They had to have their sandals on, dressed and ready to go, stick in their hand, ready to leave. Last time we saw the judgment. Look back again at verse 29. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captives who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. What he's saying is from the top to the bottom he went through that land and there was that judgment. Pharaoh, and and look what happened, verse 30. Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not one, there was not someone dead. I told you this, and I I, I say it every time. I trusted Christ 
They gave me a Bible. I was 19. I trusted Christ. Somebody gave me a Bible. I never had a Bible. I read Genesis. I read Exodus. And when I got into Exodus and all these plagues and frogs and, and bugs and everything else, I thought, well, this is amazing. When I got to this chapter and I read that verse, Pharaoh rose in the night and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And it was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. And I thought, boy, I live in Meridian, Mississippi, 40,000 people. What if one morning, one morning we woke up and every home in Meridian, somebody had died during the night? It hit me. Every home in Egypt, somebody died. Pharaoh cried out. There was a death in every home. And it was either the Passover lamb or the firstborn son. Well, what happens? Let me break down the passage for you tonight. We'll start, well, actually about, it should say verse 31. I just I think I, I put that in wrong. But it should say the response by Pharaoh in Egypt beginning about verse 31 through 36. And then we see the information dealing with the time in Egypt. And then details on the feast on who can celebrate it. And he's very clear that only those connected with the nation of Israel can, can take the Passover. You have to, and we'll talk about it as we go through it. Look at the response. Look at verse 31. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night. Do you remember what he said one time? He said, if I ever see you again, what am I going to do to you? I'm going to kill you. Uh, he's not about to kill him this time. And he's the one that called for them. And it says, and Moses call, and he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, get up, get out from among my people, you and the sons of Israel, and you go. And what does he will tell them to do? Worship the Lord as you have said. Do you remember when Moses and Aaron would come, they would say, let my people go. God says, let my people go so that they may worship and serve. And he'd say, I don't think so. He'd say, who's going to go? No, you can't break your cattle. No, you can't take your kids. No, you can't go do this. You can't do this. What does he say here? I want you to go and the sons of Israel to go and I want you to go worship the Lord. Notice all capitals. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. There it is. That's the personal name of God, YHWH. As you have said. He says, I want you to get out. This is what they've been requesting. He says, go. Get out. Go worship the Lord. It's a very powerful. This was why, this is what the whole thing was about. Because see, Pharaoh would not admit that the God of Israel was the greater God. Because Pharaoh said, I'm God. Frogs are gods. Sun's God. Nile's God. We've got a lot of gods here. Why should I worship your God? And as he saw over and over that the God of Israel was stronger and more powerful than any of the gods of Egypt. And now he says, go and worship. This is powerful. Now, there's more. Because look what he says. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go. And I like the last part of the verse. And bless me also. Basically, he says, look, take everything. Take the kids, take the flowers, get out of here. Everybody, get out of here. <clears throat> and, and by the way, tell God to bless me. Isn't that amazing? He, up to this point in time, he's not admitted, really, that the God of Israel is a greater God than he is. I, I think he's recognized that, God ha that Israel has a God. But he says, why should I worship the Lord, your God? And now he's saying, ask your God to bless me. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go and bless me also. They were to go into worship. They were to take their families. They were to take their flocks. And that was the plan. And what are we supposed to do? 
We're supposed to worship as well. We're supposed to worship and serve our Savior. Remember what they kept saying? We need to go and worship our God and serve Him because they were serving Pharaoh. He says, no, no, we're supposed to serve the living God. Truth is for us, we're supposed to serve the living God. Notice, bless me also. He had seen the power of God. Sometimes, and it's sad, but sometimes we have to go through things and people have to go through hardships before they'll recognize God and before they'll come and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's really a sad thing. wish it wasn't that way. I wish that every time we talked to somebody and we said, listen, you understand that you've sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. God loved you and sent his son Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, paid for sin and rose again. If you'll believe in him, you'll have eternal life. And they would say, of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'll trust him right now. Doesn't always happen that way. But look what happens. Verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. You know what the people are saying? They're saying, we wake up, and our firstborn is dead, and we don't know what's going to happen, and if these people don't get out of here, it could be that every one of us are going to die. They had lost their firstborn. Psalm 105, verse verse 38 says, they were glad when the Jews left. Yeah, you would do too, right? Yeah. You know, you could say, the help is not that important, right? Get them out of here. The fear of the Lord had fallen upon them. Now, notice something special too. Look at verse 34. So the people took their dough, which therefore it was leavened with the kneading bowls bound up in cloths on their shoulders. Now, they took off before. And remember, it was before the dough could rise. Why? Because it's supposed to be unleavened. Everything's got to be unleavened. There's a picture there of, of, of really a twofold picture uh, of the unleavened had the idea of no sin, but it also had an idea of haste. We got to get out of here before it even has time to rise. That's the plan. We're coming out. We're coming out fast. We've been wanting to go for a long time. In fact, we've been waiting 430 years to get out of this place. And now when he says go, it's time to go. Get out as fast as possible. Now, notice you're going to see a promise fulfilled by God. Watch what you see. Verse 35. Now, the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they let them have their request. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Now, this is an amazing thing. Moses said, listen, as you get ready to go, go by your neighbors and say, could we have gold? Could we have your silver? Could we have some of your clothes? And what what did the Egyptians do? Take it and get out. Take it. Yes, take it. It says they found favor. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they gave them their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. They requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and gold. Moses told them to ask for the silver and gold. In fact, back in Exodus chapter 11, verse 2, let me just read this for you. It says, Speak now to the hearings of the people that each main man from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor ask for silver and articles of gold. Moses already told them to do that. Why would he do that? Well, notice. This was the fulfillment of a promise, a prophecy given to Abraham. Now, now think about this. There was Abraham, and then Abraham to Isaac, and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob to Joseph, and Joseph down into Egypt, and then in Egypt for over 400 years, and now it's time to come out. And this is a promise going all the way back. Let me read this to you. This is in Genesis chapter 15. This is God 
telling Abraham something. Genesis 15, verse 13 says, And God said to Abram, Know for certain, your descendants, Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, Joseph to Egypt, know that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not their own, unto Egypt, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years, 430 to be exact. But I will judge that nation whom they serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. This is a fulfilled prophecy. How in the world are a bunch of slaves going to come out of Egypt with a whole bunch of stuff? How do you be slaves for 400 years and then you come out with a lot of possessions? Do slaves have many possessions? How do they get them? They ask for them. They said, I like that gold. Can I have those earrings? I like them a lot. Can I have that silver stuff? Can I ha- I like that shawl. It's a nice one, right? It's a nice shawl. It looks good. We're asking, and they're giving. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Why would he give to the Jewish people gold and silver and clothes and all of those things? Watch. Well, first of all, it's payback for slavery. They never paid them. It's like back wages. But guess what? How are they going to build the tabernacle? Do you realize they're going to get out in the wilderness and they're going to have to build this tabernacle and they say, listen, we need things like gold, uh, silver, uh, shawls, clothes. We need stuff because we're going to make a tabernacle. Where are these people going to get that? They didn't have anything when they came out of Egypt as slaves. But when they came out of Egypt, they did. They asked them for gold, silver, and clothes and they got it all. God always provides what you need. Isn't that true? He gave to these slaves the things that they would need later to build the tabernacle. Now, uh, they didn't always do right with the gold and the silver. Do you remember what they did with gold? They made a what? The, you remember what he did? They made this gold. And, I just, I, the story is amazing to me, and I'm not sure how far we're going to get in the book of Exodus. I don't think we'll go the whole thing. It does bog down just a little bit. But anyway, do, do you remember that when they got there and Moses went up on the mountain, he was gone for such a long time, the people said, we don't know what happened to him. And so they decided to make a God, to make God, to take him back. Not a new God, but they said, we'll make God who brought us out here to take us back to Egypt. And they made him in the form of a what? Of a golden calf. And when Moses came down off of the mountain, <clears throat> he, he was pretty upset. And God already told him, look, they've already messed up. And when he gets down there, he sees the golden calf. And he says to Aaron, Aaron's the one that made it. And he went, Aaron, come here, older brother. Yeah. How did this get here? And Aaron said, well, uh, we threw some gold in the fire and this popped out. <laughs> and he remember what he did with it? He ground it up, put it in the water and what? Made them drink it. I bet that tasted good. You know. So sometimes you can take what God gives you and you can use it for good. And you can use it for what? For bad. Take the gifts, talents, abilities, time, possessions that God has given us. And we can use them for his glory. And we can use them for our glory. And we want to use them for his glory. That's the plan. Now, watch what happens. Verse 37. Now, the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from the children. That's just the men. Now, if there were 600,000 men, you think, how many women and children could there be? If there's like about a woman, a man, and about a child, how many they got? 
yeah, two something, two over two million people coming out. Two million people. They went in with how many? Seventy, either seventy or seventy-five. Is according to how they want to, How do you want to count it? They come out with over two million people. They went in as a family. They come out as a nation. They're God's people. They're coming out. It says now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about six hundred thousand men. <clears throat> on foot, aside from children. A mixed, oh, look at this. What, 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 what does it say? A mixed multitude also went up with them along with the herds, at flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. Wait a minute. What, what is this mixed multitude? What does that mean? Some of those in Egypt went with them. A mixed multitude. Not just Jewish people left. Some other people said, I like your style. I'm going, right? I'm going with you. We're going. Right? What are they saying? Look, we see what your God is like. It's powerful. Verse 39, they baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt, could not delay, nor they had prepared any provisions for themselves. They're all coming out. They're eating unleavened bread, and they're coming out of Egypt. Not just the Jewish people, but Jewish people who identified I mean, but Egyptian people and other people who are identifying with the God of Israel. Do you understand that all throughout, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph, there are always people who believe in the true God. When Abraham came back from the battle, he was met by a king. What was the king's name? Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of Salem, worshiper of the true God. Where did he find out? Maybe some of Noah's family told him, right? The true God. There are always people who believe the true God. And these are coming out with the Egyptians. Now, notice what we find out. We get a little, a little information. Now, the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. The slavery is over there. Now, we talked about it this morning. You remember that when Jesus was talking to the religious leaders said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. They were enslaved here. And then later they'd be enslaved to the Assyrians. And then they were enslaved to the Babylonians. And then they were enslaved to the Medio persians And then they were enslaved to the Greco-Macedonians. And then they were enslaved to the Romans. And then the Romans came in in 70 A.D. and destroyed the city and the temple, and they were scattered throughout the world. So when they said to Jesus, we've never been enslaved to anybody. We talked about it this morning. Jesus could have said, um, who's that Roman soldier walking by right there just telling you what to do? They're coming out of slavery to be free. We sing some songs on Sunday morning about being free. I've been set free. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We we're slaves to sin, as the passage this morning said, that if you're a slave, you don't get to live in the house. And if you're a son, you get to live in the house forever. And the son shall what? Set you free. Jesus Christ is the one that frees us. And we see here the Passover lamb has freed them. By faith in the Passover lamb, they're free. By faith in the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, we are free forever. We'll see what happens. It's the memorial. He says this. 
It is a night to be observed for the Lord having brought them out of the land of Egypt this night for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. He said this is something that we have to remember from now on. Just like when Jesus left and got ready to leave, he said, this, this I leave for you to do. You do this in remembrance of me. And from that point on, we say, this is how we remember what Jesus did for us. How he died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And when we eat this, this bread, it represents the body of our Savior. And when we drink this juice, it represents the blood of our Savior. And we remember that. Well, the Jewish people, as they came out, he said, from now on, I want you to do this. I want you to think about the Passover. And I want you to have the Passover lamb. Because I want you to remember how I brought you out. Verse 43. Well, let me do this. I want you to think about the Passover. And, and he talks about the Passover's on the 14th day of the first month. And that was the, the lamb. And then the unleavened bread was the first 15th through 21st. And, and the Lord, notice this. It says, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner may eat of it. But, but it says that it was the night to be observed when the Lord having brought them out. Verse 42. Now, here's a question I have for you. Who is the Savior? The people are God. It's God. He saved them. Who is our Savior? Us or Jesus Christ? Remember I said this morning that a lot of people think they're the Savior. Because I'm going to walk down an aisle. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to keep on being faithful. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'll get to go to heaven. You're not the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Is our salvation based on what we do or even keep on doing? The answer is what? No, our salvation is based on Jesus Christ who died and rose again. He is our Savior. In this passage it says, the Lord having brought them out. They didn't bring themselves out. They didn't fight the Egyptians. They walked out and said, let me have that gold, let me have that silver. We're leaving. We're leaving. Salvation is all of God. We trust in Him, not our works. We trust in our... In Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he says, remember this. Remember this. He tells Moses and Aaron that they're to celebrate the Passover. And that this, is, this, this Passover and unleavened bread is only for these believers. Those who are identified with Israel. Notice verse 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner. Literally the word means stranger. No foreigner is to eat of it. I think the next slide is literally the stranger. Not, no one, one not connected with the true God or identified with Israel, they can't eat it. If you don't say, I believe in the God of Israel, I'm connected with the God of Israel, I believe in Him and I believe in the salvation there, you're not supposed to eat the Passover. What was the key sign? What was the key sign of the covenant with, with God? Circumcision. And that's what we're going to see. Look what he says. The Lord said, verse 43 again, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner may eat of it. But every man's slave purchased with money after you've circumcised him, then he may eat of it. Because to be circumcised is to say, I'm following. I'm following the God of Israel. I'm coming under the covenant. I believe. That's the key. And we're going to see that all the way through. That is the sign. Look at verse 45. A sojourner or a hired servant may not eat of it. Just somebody who's hanging around with you and it's Passover time, they can't say, hey, uh, are, we, are we invited for supper? Right? Are we invited for supper? The answer is no, you're not. No, because you're just passing through, man. You're not believing this. this is not, God's not your God. This doesn't mean anything to you. That's why when you have the Lord's Supper, the truth is Lord's Supper's for who? Believers. 
Unbeliever says, I'd like to take it. Well, it doesn't mean anything to you. Why would you take it? It doesn't have any bearing for you. This represents the body and the blood of our Savior. This represents the Passover lamb coming out, as he says. And this is, and think about this. I think this next slide says it. This Passover lamb was killed and eaten and was a foreshadow, a picture of our coming Savior, Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Notice verse 45 again. It says, A soldier and a hired servant can't eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You're not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house. Why? Why can't you start eating and then walk outside, eat a little bit, go back in? Why? Why? What are they remembering? That's right. They're remembering that the night they ate the Passover lamb, they'd stay in the house. Because why? Because death was outside. And they had the blood on the door. And they said, don't go outside. And so from that point on, they said, you got to eat. From now on, we eat it. We eat it inside. Don't break any bone of it. Wonder why? It just says, well, that's how you eat it. They don't break a bone. But you know what? Remember what we just said? Leave it there. For, go back if you would. Remember what we just said? This is a picture. This is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Look at the next slide. John one twenty nine. The, they said, uh, John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, there's the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ died on Passover. Guess what? Not a bone was what? No, not a bone was broken. And you know, they could have broken one. But when they came up to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. And so they didn't break the bones. And John, and John, we'll see it in John 19. John says, for these things came to pass that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. Why couldn't Jesus have a broken bone? Because he's the what? He's the Passover lamb and a Passover lamb. No bones are broken. He's that foreshadow. Is to be eaten in a single night. You're not to, you're not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any of the bones of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. Everybody. Everybody. Now watch. If a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near to celebrate it. He shall be like the native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat, eat of it. What's the deal with circumcision? It's the picture of what? The, the covenant. It's the covenant God made with Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and on down. And so if you're believing in the true God of Israel, you come under the covenant of Israel and you say, I'm a part of that. My whole family's a part of that. If a stranger comes in and says, I, I want to be a part of all this, I believe what you're saying. He says, okay, um, come under the sign of the covenant. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. So he says, let all the males be circumcised. Then let him come near to celebrate it. He shall be like the native of the land. He's going to be like a Jewish person. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to natives as to strangers who sojourn among you. It's all the same. You're going to be connected with this. You've got to be connected with the God of Israel. It's the sign of the covenant. They showed that they believed in the God of Israel. And I think the next slide says that, that when we think about it, it's the same for the Lord's Supper. Only those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior are to celebrate it. I've had people come to me and they say, uh, <clears throat> I understand you have the Lord's Supper tonight or you have the Lord's Supper this morning. I say, yeah. They say, well, in my church, only those who are members of our church can celebrate it. So what about countryside? 
I always say, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have the great privilege and responsibility to remember the death and resurrection of Christ. If you're not a Christian, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, then you have no basis to celebrate the Lord's Supper because he's not your Savior. You're not remembering the death and resurrection of our Savior. But what happened? Notice verse, uh, verse 15. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. Now, that's a summary statement. It just basically says that was the day. that After that night, when they got up the next morning, all these people dead, they walked out. And 600,000 men, not counting women, not counting the children, and their herds, their animals, their flocks, they're coming out, other people coming out with them, they're leaving. If you're Pharaoh, what do you say? Goodbye, right? No, you say, I'm glad they're leaving. Look at my son. Look at everybody in this, in this land. And if you're, if you're Egyptians, you're saying, please, leave. Here, take our stuff. Take our stuff. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to be leaving and Pharaoh's going to go. What am I thinking? I need those slaves. I can't just let them walk out of here. Get the chariots together. Get the soldiers. We're going after them. I'm not going to let them get away. I think he will regret that statement. What do you think? He will. That night, the Lord brought them out. God had fulfilled his promise, going all the way back to Abraham. Just remember that. It's all the way back to Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Joseph, into the land, slaves for 430 years, and now coming out. Do you remember a promise that Joseph asked them to do? He said, I got one thing I'd like y'all to do. What was it? Take my bones. When you get ready to leave, take my bones. Because see, when the resurrection comes, I don't want to be resurrected in Egypt. I want to be resurrected in the promised land. We're going to see in chapter 13, as they're leaving, somebody goes, oh, 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 don't forget Joseph's bones. Yeah, yeah let's go get him. Everybody help me. <laughs> we got to get him out of here, right? He was, see, Joseph was famous. Joseph was the savior of the nation of Egypt. Joseph was embalmed. Not everybody was embalmed. Joseph was embalmed. It wasn't like they had to go, well, anybody remember where they put him? Anybody remember? He was over there. See if we can find anything that looks like bones. Maybe we can get it. That wasn't that problem. He was embalmed where people could see him. You can see him going up and saying, uh, this belongs to us. Right? What have we seen? God brought a final plague on Egypt. The death of the firstborn. Pharaoh told them to leave, to worship and to serve God and to bless him. And they asked for gold and silver and clothes and they were glad. The Egyptians were glad that they were going and they'd been in Egypt for 430 years. And they celebrate this time and they'll celebrate it forever. The Passover lamb, the unleavened bread, the holiness as they obeyed God. And it's a foreshadow of our Savior Jesus Christ. So let me give you some applications. First of all, because God keeps his word, let's rest and trust in God's word. I mean, think about it. When God makes a promise or a prophecy, it will come to pass. He told them. He said, he told that, the, that he would judge Egypt and they would finally let him go. 
And exactly what happened, he judged Egypt and they let him go. They said they would come out with great possessions. They came out with great possessions. He said that I want you to keep the Passover as a substitute and they were saved from death. Just what, whatever God says, God's word, his promises are always true. We must obey and live by the word of God. That's the thing that you've got to know the scripture. <clears throat> one of the things we've talked about for years is that every one of us have a privilege and responsibility to study the Scripture, to know it, to put it in our minds, to memorize it, to study it, to make application, because it changes our lives. And God keeps His Word, and we have to trust Him. We must obey the Word of God. What was the plan? To go out into worship. He says, leave and worship. That's what they did, by the way, didn't they? They went out and worshiped God. They, they went they went, and they got to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, the Lord appeared, scared them to death, right? And they said, Moses, you go on up. You keep going up the mountain. And God made a, a dwelling place to dwell among his people so that they would what? Worship him. That's what it's all about. God has redeemed us through the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Why has he brought us out of slavery to sin and given us the title children of God? Why has he done that? So that we can what? Worship the living God. It's powerful. Second, realize that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, our substitute. That's what it's all about. As the Passover lamb in Egypt delivered them from, and, and it was a substitute and saved them from, from death and bondage in Egypt, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb who saves us from death and delivers us from the bondage of sin. Jesus came and died and rose again, paid for sin. You know, we've heard that so many times. Every one of you in this room could stand up and say, okay, Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. Whoever believes in him has eternal life, right? Isn't that right? Well, be ready because you're going to have opportunities to say it. Might as well get written. Might as well be easy to say. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the third thing, and I like this. Let's pass these truths on to others, including our children. Because in this passage, we saw it back earlier, back in chapter 11, and some even in 12, that, that they're bringing out the kids, they're bringing out everybody. The idea was that, that when, and you're going to see it in 13, your children are going to say, why do we do this? And you look at your oldest son and say, we do this. Because God saved the firstborn son and delivered us from Egypt. It's powerful. The Jews were to have this memorial so they could remember the salvation and redemption. The same thing for us. We have a memorial. We have his pledge to us, Jesus Christ, the body, and the blood. Well, let's obey God, resting in his word, passing on these truths to those around us, proclaiming the good news of our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for the passage. There's just so much there, Lord, and we, 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 we just touched the surface. Thank you for your word. Thank you for delivering Egypt. Thank you for bringing them out. Thank you for that being the foreshadow of our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Thank you that even though we were bondage in sin, that you have brought us out and you have given us more than we could imagine. You have blessed us beyond what we could ask or imagine, and you brought us out to worship and to serve you. In the same way you brought Egypt out to worship and to serve, you have brought us out. Lord, may we live for you, bring honor and glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.